Thank you for joining us tonight in the Creepypasta Book Club, the podcast where we read, analyze, and discuss significant creepypastas, no sleeps, and web horror flash fiction. We are your hosts, Jonah and Wednesday. And today we are discussing Felix Blackwell's My Romantic Cabin Getaway. It's also known by like other names. Early on, people weren't sure what to call it because it's clearly it like started as a series that people want to like give a like a catchy name like pen pal or whatever <laughs> and people were like the cold people series they were also like getaway cabin cabin people was a really popular one i usually just call it cabin story yeah cabin story is good that's snappy like felix blackwell's cabin story yeah that's good yeah it's also a, a novel under the title stolen tongues and i will get to that later or now yeah or however we want <laughs> to attack it yeah i got thoughts about that <laughs> <laughs> we should start with a uh, with a summary real quick. Oh, right. Which, uh, I mean, not quick. This is, because this story is definitely... It's a long-ass story. Yeah, the story is the longest that we it's have like covered. It's like five hours long. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it goes on for quite a while, and there's a decent bit of content. It's weird because it's not really, like, empty content either, even though I think there's a lot that can be cut down. So, uh... It begins with a man called Felix who takes a strange vacation in the Colorado mountains with his fiance, during which they hear strange voices at night trying to lure them into the woods. Uh, they see strange figures outside, and his fiance, Faye, uh, begins having sleep talking episodes as the creature begins to attempt to seemingly invade her mind. Uh, they find a mysterious dream catcher out behind the cabin, and the whole episode has them so spooked that they are very quick to return to California. But even after returning home, Faye becomes increasingly disturbed, sleepwalking and saying strange, threatening things. There are no results from any doctor's visits, and she seems to be not entirely in control of her own body anymore, or her personality. They seek spiritual assistance from several indigenous healers who attempt to cleanse Faye and the house, and they tell Felix that his fiancée is being followed by something they call the Hollow One that is infatuated with her. Uh, Felix travels back out to the cabin to attempt to get some kind of cleansing, and finds out that the Hollow One is some kind of ancient creature that possesses dead bodies and invades people's minds and dreams. Felix learns from Faye's parents that she had some kind of episode when she was a child at the cabin that led to her chronic sleep disturbances, and they determine that this is when the Hollow One became fixated on her. Uh, Felix confronts the creature, and it learns to mimic his voice. It begins controlling him in his sleep as well, and forces him to destroy the Dreamcatcher uh, to retrieve Faye's engagement ring, which it had been using to increase its control over her. With the Dreamcatcher destroyed, it attacks him directly, but he's saved when the rangers come up through the Colorado storm to take him down the mountain. He reunites with Faye, one of his friends from Colorado, one of those spirit healers, Nathan, puts them through a kind of spiritual purge to expel the influence from their body, so they vomit all over. And then in the follow-up, because he divided this story into sort of two parts, one being like My Romantic Cabin Getaway and the mystery unravels, so, so, so in this follow-up, they have sort of a month of quiet before Faye begins behaving strangely again. She points out that like the, the, the puke stains, which haven't been able to come out of the carpet, resemble uh, human figures, and she pukes again on the wall leaving another dark stain. 
Uh, the stains get increasingly close to the bedroom as she continues throwing up, uh, and Nathan is not returning Felix's calls. Faye begins acting erratically even during the day. Faye's sister brings her infant son to visit for a week, but Faye and the Hollow Ones become increasingly fixated on him. Uh, Nathan tells Felix that the Hollow One is fascinated by Faye's dreams and will stop at nothing to find out the secret that she has buried in her subconscious. Felix learns that uh, Nathan's father, Tiwe, and later Nathan, are both killed by the creature. Felix talks to Faye's mother and learns that she miscarried when Faye was five, which devastated her to the point that she repressed all memory of her baby brother. Five, the recurring number throughout the story, stands for the fifth member of their family. She goes under hypnosis voluntarily to confront the Hollow One and tells him everything, but refuses to go with him, and heartbroken, it finally backs off and elects to leave them alone. So Wednesday, what do we think of this one? Uh, like, a lot of stuff. I took a lot of notes. <laughs> like, I think it's really fraught with a lot of stuff you find in, like, media about this topic, about, like, <laughs> but it also has, like, a lot of, like, interesting plot points and interesting, like, concepts it's trying to do. And it's nice. Like, I feel really torn between, like, a thing that's longer that has this much people's attention is always cool. But it also heralded in, like, a lot of people making really massive ones and then Mm -hmm. people acting like this type of massive one is okay, but this other type of massive one, not okay. And, like, how that's... (laughs) Builds up a kind of like weird online class of like writers or whatever, and that's a separate thing from the story. But like <laughs> the legacy of it or whatever is like bigger than the story itself, and that's a thing. I think I'm much more sour overall on the story than you are. Like you have mixed feelings. I would say that I have primarily negative feelings, hostile feelings exclusively. Yeah. I just, everything about the story kind of annoys me. There are a couple things that are cool or interesting, but it feels like everything that works here is stuff that I have seen better in stories that, like, just impact me more. Yeah, this is like a worse, it's a worse The Goat Man. Yeah, it, it, it is so geeked off of Goat Man, which is one of my favorite pastas, and I think is just, like, so elegantly done. This is trying to do that, but bigger Long. and more impressive do you want to like i don't know do you want to like go by like plot point by plot point down through it or do you want just like no no uh, that would take so long i don't know why i wrote it like that i was listening to it and like reacting to like the very like minute details of it and not like making <laughs> overall note he goes on about like at the start of the story, I, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to break it down like this at the start of the story he goes on about like Native American folklore while he's being, like, a California tourist and his wife is, like, <laughs> from, like, blood money in this, like, really, like, overt way. And, like, throughout the story, there's no room to doubt what's going on. And you're, like, being, like, hand-fed, like, all this, like, intricate detail. Like, he's done research, I guess, but it feels like really shallow, flashy research in the story. Yeah, he... It, we were we were sort of glancing through or Wednesday was glancing yeah. through some of the some of the 
comments, trying to see like any any sort of information from the the story that he had possibly nested down in the comments. And he mentions like in 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 like some ask Reddit thing that he responded to, he mentions a book which which I I read for um one of my anthropology classes in in university um wisdom sits in places and I made a note about that in my in my notes I was like oh yeah when he is talking about the sort of like concept of like spiritual places and stuff and and he 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 extrapolates that to be like a very broad thing about like like a statement about sort of like a like a pan American indigenous religion statement kind of thing which is like he is drawing things from this and this book is an ethnography right this this book is is keith basso the uh the the anthropologist who who wrote this book he he goes into this community to do a study and he learns that like the only way to truly understand this culture is by their place naming practices because it is so integral to their cultural and personal identities mm-hmm. but he and he uses this ethnography the information from this book to make these general sweeping statements about religion for like american indigenous people and also for people outside yeah, of it's... american indigenous cultures in a way that is like very silly really bizarre because that's not how that's like an elementary like that's like if you went to a conservative elementary school and they taught you global religion that's the takeaway <laughs> you'd get that's not how religions are formed that's not how religions are treated the idea that our various global religions are so different and foreign and what foreign's a bad word for that it's so different and like otherworldly compared to the indigenous beliefs of turtle island peoples like i think it just sort of betrays like a fundamental lack of understanding of religious practices worldwide so wisdom sits in places deals with the fact that for the Apache, the land is linked to thousands of years of storytelling traditions and cultural knowledge that, like, their their understanding of their environment is tied to the names and stories of the land and landmarks, uh, and, and that this indigenous map-making project that Basso is, is pursuing is bound up in like understanding the full context of place names it and it's like it's fascinating it's a really good book and like the the thing felix makes implications that american indigenous spiritual practices are unique because like first of all he he groups all nations together when he talks about this in like not in a way that I think is necessarily like, malicious, but it just like carelessly kind of says like Indians do X, you know, uh, that they they lose a significant part of 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 their culture by being removed from their land, which is true, but also a lot of Indigenous Americans do continue their spiritual practices 
when they're displaced, even if that requires them to adapt them. And, and like, the necessity of having to adapt your traditions in response to colonization and genocide is a tragedy. But there, there is no ethnic group, uh, cultural group, whatever, that says, uh, uh, we lost our power, we can't practice our religion anymore. <laughs> like, I, that's, I think it's very important to note. And it's, it, it's, like, it's weird. It's weird to talk about them in fucking Dragon Ball terms, which he ends up doing a lot and, and does in the story. Which is, like, the, the important thing, I think, that we took note of. And he makes kind of a big deal as the Felix character throughout the story of being like, oh, I'm an agnostic atheist, which is like usually an indicator that you get when like when white guys in stories are like, oh, I'm an atheist. It's like you're a Christianized atheist and you have no perspective on any other religions or or spiritual practices. Yeah, but he 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 is like, I'm an atheist, but he is buying everything everyone's selling him with no like he is he is he is espousing beliefs that you'd have fought, you'd be hard-pressed to find among even the most religious of spiritualists. Like, I don't think you're an atheist, dude. <laughs> he is a wasp. <laughs> okay, because he, like, frames his wife. Oh, oh, here's a note. Here's a note that I'm tucking into another note is, like, the way he talks about his wife, like, she's a child throughout. And, like, it's a plot point in it that she, like, gets angry at him for it. But, like, the fact that he treats her in this disgusting way and she still picks him is like this bizarre power fantasy. And in that <laughs> is that I find it really gross even in like real life when people of like, especially this happens in like street culture or whatever. A guy can be an atheist and think all spirituality is silly nonsense and his wife is like Catholic. Like, yeah. that's, like, abusive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, like, there's no way around it to be, like, I think you're actively stupid for be- having beliefs that are, like, really intense compared to, like, you know, like, a Protestant. Like, a general, like, wasp culture, right? Like, yeah. a Catholic, like, even, like, a, a really liberal Catholic has a lot more, like, religiosity than, like, a, uh, like, a chill American Protestant. Just, like, a measurable day-to-day, what you do with your time. (laughs) Well, I mean, and there's also, like, this sort of cultural idea of, like, there's, there's almost sort of, like, this exotic kind of patina that we have for, for Catholicism in, in America compared to Protestantism, because Protestantism is the religion that is more mainstream and normalized, and, like, the sort of, like, ritual practices of Catholicism are treated as being sort of like particularly uh strange yeah compared to those of protestant christianity yeah he treats um like the catholicism of his wife and like the things they go do with it with the same like exoticism the otherism or whatever as he does like the indigenous religions the indigenous like practices that like get invoked in the story like, he runs off to a bishop at the same, like, level of this woman doing a smoke cleansing. <laughs> he, he cites, he, he, he brings up, like, the concept of indigenous Americans having a, a, like a, like a practice, like a spiritual practice that is unique because it is 
sort of land bound but it's like that's not unique you can find you you find that in so many cultures like the historical like norse religions right were extremely bound to the land that they were on jewish practices like hey hey as a as a jew like like the modern things that that we do a lot of them are like because of the fact that like we are a diaspora yeah look like the 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 temple has not been rebuilt you know which is why we don't like we don't do sacrifice anymore so we do other things instead i'm not a rabbi so if any jewish people are listening and and you disagree with me argue with me about it on tumblr i guess but like judaism is notably not considered an indigenous religion because our land was stolen we have nowhere to be indigenous to (laughs) <laughs> one of the central like spiritual tenets of, of classical judaism is the land and that we lived there and it was ours and now we are like an unlanded people like what makes a practice exotic is a matter of perspective and and the perspective the story really often takes is that these cultures and and practices are like mythic and mysterious in like like a way that's dehumanizing and weird the reason why people can pick up their religion and take it anywhere is because they have to in order to survive <laughs> uh, uh, white imperialism. You fucking stupid goddamn. And the way that he uses the fact that, like, these people have been unlanded from their traditional ranges and therefore practices he basically uses that as a plot point for why the indigenous people like their magic basically is not strong enough to (sighs) to stop the hollow one that is the what the purpose of that bringing that up even is i think it's fucked up and hey and like a little bit here is neat in that it introduces the idea that these people have experienced a violence in a minute thread, like, <laughs> that's probably good, because I've never, like, like, having, it's junkily done, and done in a, like, like having acknowledgements. Yeah, it's junkily done, and done in this really, like, self-serving way, and all that stuff, but it's also, like, yes, these people have been re- displaced, but, like, their religions still matter, and to wrap it like really tight to the story is the whole dreamcatcher thing like that's an <laughs> example of people taking their religion and moving it elsewhere dreamcatchers are are pan indigenous symbology now because of the fact that they are attempting to cope with being displaced and and unlanded and slaughtered for hundreds of years like hey traditionally these are ojibwe practices they are not practices of the apache or the or the dene like and like the region that Dreamcatchers originated would just be as far as the great lakes region it wouldn't have been like down further that state way that state wasn't a state then territory whatever the appropriate term is land <laughs> like it was not a, a, a practice that was done in pike's peak and dream catchers traditionally were just like protective charms they weren't necessarily like dream coded charms yeah the, you know? the charms represent having this connection with like a maternal figure and the spider mother 
and like it represents in like a pan indigenous way of like always being connected to her no matter where you are and also as like like a like a craft that was yeah. practiced and able to be sold as a way of making a livelihood for yourself yeah like like that that is the the sort of a big part of the modern significance of the dream catcher yeah. which is why it is such a big deal that like non-indigenous people have very strongly appropriated the image of the dream catcher and which by the way really loaded to call your novel stolen tongues <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you stole some tongues <laughs> it's it's like to like you we could probably like even cite Remember that paper that we totally cited in the Goat Man, <laughs> and she yep, called it yep yep, <laughs> and she called it Cabin Fever. It kind of makes me think that she confused it with the story. Like what she's saying is like relevant to the Goat Man, but like this is the story that features a cabin and like this kind of fear. Yeah, be- be- because like hey, the Hollow One. Aside from, like, all the other extra shit that he added on... This like, is more closely... The hollow one... Yeah. Yeah, is is, is, is more close to, like, the, the sort of pop culture Wendigo. Because it, like, it, it kills and eats people. It's all about desecrating human corpses. It It is also, like, a vocal mimic yeah. creature. And, he, and I think really, really, like, pointedly, he calls himself the coal people, and he sets this in, like, a continuous blizzard situation. Yeah. Which is like a, uh, a sort of part of the iconography mm-hmm. of that, the, the sort of connotations that we have of, of like, like what, the... of like why people cannibalize each other is like yeah oh Donner Party yeah you know yeah so this is like the pop culture pop culture thing without saying it and I think it's neat okay I do think the story does something very unique neat. Well, I don't know what word would go here, but that they do bring up this, like, idea of this thing, right, that's been appropriated without saying it, and all, and it makes it feel different by avoiding using these terms, and that they do the, I'm air quoting, Indian burial ground, right? Yeah. By, ta- by transforming it and making it about, like exploitation in war instead of just like we found some bodies under here because <laughs> it's framed around mining right yeah and like the history of mining is all more complicated than just like this land this ground is spooky and bad and there's graves here yeah like there there seems to be some kind of attempt at like either you know sensitivity or nuance but like i don't think it succeeds no it's just but it's nice that it's there because the story is entirely about using the aesthetics of an indigenous culture to create a story about white people being special and in trouble because because the whole thing is like Faye is according to everybody in the story the most fascinating yeah. person that the Hollow One has ever met, and he's been stalking her her this whole monster, life. This monster, this beast, this spooky, ghostly creature has never met a more interesting person than a five-year-old white girl. <laughs> 
This thing is older than time. Specifically because, like, she has this this trauma that she's holding so deep in her heart. It's never been a traumatized person. Because she was so sad about her brother dying, which is like, yeah, that sucks. That's really sad. I have lots to say about that, too. Kids, kids are allowed to have trauma and be sad. But, like, the fact that it is framed yeah. in this way, where it is, like, this this creature is part of, like... I mean, it's 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 made up. Like it, yeah. it, like it does not belong to to these. But it is attributed to being like a, you know, an indigenous creature. Like this, this is a this is a creature from this culture, the the land. Yeah, the that, land. yeah, yeah. That the that the culture knows about, and and it's you know got dark magics that are that are associated with like being in opposition to the good magics of the noble savages. He right? Has, he's created. <laughs> indigenous satan to like put his <laughs> silly little story over the story is about how like this this one woman is so special that this creature like okay i think oh listen she should end up with the thing yeah okay she should end up let's with the hollow one let's get this i think he should die i think he sucks so bad he is I wish he would die. Yeah, I wish he died. There were so many note times in my notes that I have. Felix should have died here, and Faye should have taken the story. <laughs> I think Felix should have died here. I think Felix should have been killed here. Felix should have died here. <laughs> and like, if Faye had been like, "I found my fiance's corpse all fucked up. Here's what's actually happening with me and stuff," that would have ruled a little bit. Yeah. Like, if we pull out and we find out that, like, Felix is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. He's, like, an abusive shithead. He is! He is! And she can't, like, she's she's afraid of him. There are so many points that are, like, this is, like, an abusive relationship. And he's, like, <laughs> he risks her life over the ring when that is just an object. Yeah. It's an object that marks his possession of her. And he's, like, I... It's not, like, it's a fucking ring. Well, he's, like, treating her like a child and, like, dumping her on his friends and being like, oh, you have to babysit her. He talks about her so rancidly. He is, like, she's laughing and that's scary. She looked evil and fucked up. <laughs> she gets sick and he's more concerned about the cost of cleaning up her vomit rather than yeah. my wife is sick. He's, like, <laughs> a monster to her throughout the story. There's, okay, one of my, one of the things that I was like, okay, maybe, like, if I'm being my most generous here, <laughs> this story is about an incompatible relationship. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they are so, they're such fundamentally different people. Like, like, they have all of these things that should be signs that, like, hey, these people should not be together. Like, they just cannot make it work. She is a chronic sleep talker who has night terrors and screams in her sleep. He is a chronic insomniac. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun of that. Who, who wakes up and, like, he, he is, like, a deathly emetophobe and, and she, she vomits pukes, every like, time she gets stressed. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think that was the intention, but, like, that's perfect because this guy is, like, if this is not, like, just an art persona, because he writes about these things in his real life, like, hey, you guys need to get a divorce <laughs> in real life. I'm s this is my opinion. <laughs> like, he just looks like an asshole. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they're incompatible. And also, this thing, okay, okay, there's so many points in the story where people are like, nothing happened to Faye, or, uh, like, the, her par her parents are terrible to her, her sister is terrible to her, her fiancé yeah. is terrible to her, the circle of friends are terrible to her, the only person who listens and cares about her is the hollowed one. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's sort of two readings of this. Like, if if you want to view the hollow one as, like, an actual, like, dangerous, invasive thing that is, like, harming Faye, ultimately, I think the best way to read that is that the hollow one represents Felix and his desire to, like, exert control over her and, like, invade her her life and like lurk because because he's like oh like Faye is so interesting she's like the smartest person I know she's like a, she's so tough she's so strong she's like a puzzle box I want to figure everything out about her it's like that is the same fundamental motivation as what the hollow yeah, one has they're similar people and like we learn nothing about Faye until yeah. like three hours in and that, that she has a job <laughs> and we don't know what yeah. the job is we learn that she does arts and crafts like four hours in he sort of offhandedly mentions that she might work at like a like a park, like a state park or something. Yeah. But like he's very unclear about what she does. And he's constantly like, Oh yeah, at my job talking his shit up. I'm a teacher, I'm like, oh I have to go grade papers and blah 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 and like like we we don't we don't get to learn basically anything about Faye other than like she likes oh steak God. and coke <laughs> and she might work at a national park. We don't, we don't learn enough about her to be like, oh yeah, she is like a whip-smart, funny, tough girl. He just tells us like, oh, she's the smartest, toughest girl I know. Hey, 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 That scene where he's like, I took her to this restaurant to test her like a freak. Um, <laughs> but like, he is like, I'm always on her about drinking Coke. Do you think she might have like ordered water because you're always on her ass? <laughs> Felix Blackwell doesn't seem to understand that he's portraying himself as... Like, a huge fucking douchebag, you know? Okay. Like, he's, he's portraying himself as, like, oh, I'm this, like, long-suffering hero yeah. who is, like, struggling with this horrible thing that's happening to me. He's burdened by this wife that he is awful to. Like, okay, okay, there's another scene later, right, that, um, because there's lots of, like, little hit, like, this feels like if you took a, a demonic pregnancy story, right? Mm-hmm. You're filled with demons and you're pregnant. But made it into, like, now it's, like, Native American-y, you know? That's what this feels like to me a lot. There are, like, notes where it's, like, (laughs) she's getting up to pee and she never does that. Yeah, you're pregnant, you go pee a lot. She's having these cravings and she never does that. Yeah, well, she may be pregnant. And there's a point where, like, you writers thought that she might be pregnant. Like, you didn't, like, click those two together if you're fucking her. Like... And then the thing he says, like, thank God she's not. Yeah, like, like you're a, a beast. But, like, there, there's this woman that the family knows, but Faye doesn't know, that they bring into her house to do this thing. And if you are an avowed atheist and your wife is Catholic, she thinks you're making fun of her. You've brought this woman in to cleanse the house, and you tell her daily that you think her thing is bullshit. And so, like, you, what was she, was Faye supposed to think about that? And then you have this woman watch her piss on a pregnancy testing kit. Like, she doesn't know this woman. She's pissing in front of her. Like, she's, like, degraded and humiliated in this moment. Like, if you were this person, if you were Faye, how would you feel about this scene? Oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's so, like, the lack of self-awareness about it is really infuriating. He does not think his wife is worth the cost of, like, a trip down there, of carpet cleaning, of, oh my god, when she throws up, and he's like, she just threw up an expensive steak dinner, like, I'll kill you myself. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, what a, what a shithead. 
Like, what a, what a bastard. And it's very, like, this is the way that, like, straight guys talk about their wives, and it's disgusting. It's vile. Don't, like, don't, you should not be engaged to this person if you think this way about her. It was, I think it's really generous to act. Like, I totally agree that this feels like what you would read into a story meant to be, like, a story. But I think it's really generous to be, like, the Hollow One is respecting Felix. Mostly because <laughs> of this line he throws in there and it's supposed to be, like, his triumph over evil and stuff. But it's also a line that's like, hey, you should dump this loser. It's the, I walked a thousand years across the dirt <laughs> to find you. And yeah. she still ends up with this guy who hates her. I, I was I was gonna bring that up because like, hey, oh, good. that's like the most romantic shit that I've yeah. ever heard, and we're supposed to think this guy's a bad guy. Yeah, and okay, like when he wakes up disoriented after the hollowed one gets into the place after he does this stupid asshole thing with the quote unquote dream catcher with the engagement ring. Which, by the way, I don't want to say about that basement <laughs> stuff, but like, is that. It wears phase form, and he's still, he's disoriented enough to not realize what's going on. Like, that's still Faye. And the way he talks to her is so mm-hmm. vile. He's like, why the fuck is it so cold in here? Or whatever he says. If someone talked that harsh to me and I was in a relationship with them, I'd be bounced. I'd be gone. <laughs> that's not okay to talk to someone like that, that you're supposed to be, like, in love with and stuff. Like, he treats her so poorly in this story. This way that he is, like, describing when, like, the Hollow One is sort of pretending to be her. The way he's describing, like, the way that her, like, fake body feels when when the Hollow One is, like, impersonating yeah. her. Just, like, real gross. Real weird. Weird texture to that. Oh my god. The way he talks about her is so nasty. He says, like... <laughs> When he thinks he's about to die, he says it's like really like poetry y things, but he's like your tenderness, your soft skin. Like I want the hollow one to kill you. <laughs> like you're nasty. <laughs> you're a nasty weirdo. I think you should die. I I can relate to like some of the stuff with, with, with the emetophobia because like I have pretty bad emetophobia kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I that's one of the things that I do relate to when he talks about like, hey, like you avoid things when you are worried about throwing up and it's like, yep, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like unfortunately. Like, yeah. There's certain places like like if the moment that I hear that someone is like feeling sick, like like yeah. they say like, oh like I feel nauseous, like I'm like paralyzed with fear. You're like it, it, it is it is not a joke. It is it is that bad. But <laughs> during that part when he's like unwrapping some of his like family his trauma with that right is that i really 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 wish these were two separate stories this was like Hmm. about the man with that phobia and like his family history and like he like plays off like the the deepness of like his family's like moving about and divorce and all that stuff right if that was a separate story about like a history teacher burning out preyed upon by the hollowed one. And Faye's story was also about being preyed about the hollowed one, but, like, about her sleeping disorders. If these were two separate stories, I about the same, but the same creature is, like, the central creature, that would bang more. <laughs> I mean, like, the hollow one is significantly more interesting than any of the human characters. Yeah, easily. Because, like, he is, like, a badass monster. He is cool. He kind of rocks. Yeah. Things I like about the story is, like, the depths of which we, like, slowly learn about Felix's, like, trauma and how that, like, things that are upsetting him and how it, like, has points in the story, even though he, like, beats that to the ground as soon as he, like, 
just shoots it out and this like and like her stuff too and like the creatures things are like the highlights of the story and everything else is like you're like slogging to get to it <laughs> i honestly i kind of hate the christopher reveal like i think it's really really stupid oh no that's stupid that's incredibly stupid that's separate <laughs> what i like about Faye is um how it feels like she has a relationship with these spirits with the spirit or whatever how she has a I like her sleeping disorder. I like how that's handled, even though he's like, it's spooky and scary. I can, like, compartmentalize that and pretend that he's just an asshole (laughs) and that this is, like, good sleeping disorder representation. And that he's supposed to be an asshole. Yeah, like, he's an asshole and she's just, like, experiencing these things, but the paranormal is also a secondary thing that's happening in her life is how (laughs) I, like, pretend to enjoy the story. There is good material to work with. It is just so hamstrung by the fact that Felix is fucking- that that is literally the first thing that I wrote in my notes. I was like, oh, I forgot what an insufferable fuck this guy is. He is so- This is part where he puts- he crosses, like, an insane boundary by putting holy water in her shampoo. Like, first off, you're tampering with something that's a product, right, that she puts on her body. That's, like, an evil act. (laughs) Like, you should be killed by the hollowed one. And then, like, she freaks out, and he frames it like it was paranormal. She freaked out because you watered down her $20 shampoo. <laughs> like, the way that this is all framed, right? We are supposed to understand that Felix is correct to do these things because he is the yeah. hero. It's supposed to be self-evident to us. But, like, looking at it from the perspective of, like, outside of him, like, if we did not know that this was a malevolent entity, because we know, we we are make- We're told so many times, but, like- Make sure to tell us immediately that this is not something that is potentially in his head. It it is definitely happening in real life. Yeah. Like, hey, what if Felix was killing these people? (laughs) What if there was a serial killer separate from this creature? And this creature is just there, (laughs) chilling. And Felix is, like- like, oh, yeah, these people got murdered. Like, what if the creature was, like, a death omen? Like, oh like my it's a God, mountain. Yeah, like, see... people get killed by animals sometimes. Yeah. Like, that, it it's not great, yeah, but it happens. Okay. It is not killing these people. It's, like taking... it's a scavenger. Yeah, it's taking, it's, oh, my God. We're told that it's kind of a, sca... we're told that it's a scavenger at the start. So these people are dying unrelated to this creature. It's just showing up where there's death. And then it takes, like, the remains. Yeah, and it, and, it, and, it's, and it's appropriating the skins because it's like, oh, I can use that because yeah. it's a scavenger. But, like, the fact that it is both a scavenger and, like, a killer for pleasure is, like, silly, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's, like, like that. that is, because he's so clearly making up a lot of this stuff as he goes along. I think. And he's trying to be like, yeah, and he's trying to be like, oh, I'm so academic. I have a history MA. <laughs> and that's why, and like, he tries to, he, he quotes a lot of things from, like, indigenous voices that gives his story, like, accreditation, but, like, you're just making a swag beast, dude. <laughs> like, the indigenous voices that he cites, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing that happens in Goatman, right? He also right? kills them, like, immediately. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. That's true, but they don't kill them in oh, Goatman. I'm gonna say, like, they, they are, they are made up uh-huh. people. Like, he is not attributing things to, like, the voices of real life people. He's, he's making stuff up and then making up a guy from this culture to justify why it's okay that he's doing, which is also, like, I feel like it is just in bad taste in general to be, like, 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 when I think about how I would feel, To make up right, a guy, yeah. When, or, like, or, like, when someone who is not Jewish is, like, oh, this creature is a Jewish demon, 
you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> like, I, I feel like you should actually cite, you know, Kabbalah or stuff if you're yeah. gonna, if you're gonna do that, you know? Like, yeah. you, should, you should be able to... And here is my fictional <laughs> Jewish rabbi character in this yeah. horror movie. Who's gonna tell you... Uh, saying everything... <laughs> yeah. That's how it feels. It's like, oh, that... No, don't do that. Like, just, just make up something. Just make up something. Yeah. And... and you don't have to try to do this thing where you, like, give authority to your own voice as an author by making up people in your story from certain groups. To give you, like... And then, and then like, to sort of yeah. act like he is this progressive and, like, sensitive... Writer. Guy. Yeah. Who is, who is like, like, oh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm so aware of all of this stuff when it's like, well, you are not aware enough to know that it's bad to do this specific thing that you decided to do and base your entire fucking story around. I think it's really egregious that he invented a dude, killed the <laughs> dude, and it was too cheap to go to the dude's funeral. Yeah. After he died for your, like, white yeah. ass. Like... Invented a dude, killed him, <laughs> killed the dude's son, and did not go to the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, I'll honor their memory in my own way. Like, what? Wow. Yeah, he's like, like, oh, these people were heroes, and I'm so grateful to them for saving my life. And it's like, yeah, but like, you you chose to kill these people. Like, they could have been anybody, and you chose to make them two men from like like an oppressed culture that you acknowledge yeah. as like an oppressed culture that you kill. Like, he's he's like, oh, I wish Tibu was my granddad. He's so cool, and then like kills him. It's yeah. <laughs> it's like it's really. <laughs> It's just... like you're you're trying to. Sometimes people have to die in a story, in a story and sometimes yeah. you're going to kill off a character who belongs to like an ethnic minority. That's fine, but the fact that he brought in these characters to be like noble savages who are like so wise and brilliant, and like they know all of this stuff about about the about this creature that he made up in order to prop up his story and 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 this white guy's narrative. And yeah. then be killed off to give him man pain. And they have managed, and they have managed to survive this mountain with like these creatures supposedly that they like having adventures that we don't see. In. <laughs> Every part of the story works better and is more interesting told by a different perspective of a character. If the story was about the carpet cleaner guy, if the story <laughs> was about the rangers, if the story was just Faye's point of view or Faye's sister. Any of that is more interesting than Felix's point of view because he's so <laughs> self-absorbed and has so little stakes in anything. Yeah. Like, what you're losing is your wife who you treat as an object. This is essentially a story about a man defending his property. And it is framed that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like if you took all the notes of that, like, uh, I'm pregnant with a demon and now I need an exorcism movie... And put it in, like, that kind of, like, conceptual western of, like, I am defending my property on stolen land. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah, and, like, the way that the story kind of becomes this, like, badass dude power fantasy. Even though, like, the way that the story resolves, ultimately... Is Faye doing the work, yeah. She, you know, she stands up for herself and she tells him to go away. And it's, like, it just feels so limp after everything else that... After the way that he has written Faye for the majority of the story. Yeah, I think, like, the way it gets built up and the fact that it's, like, I have, like, I don't know, complicated feelings about 
the way the thing that happens. I think it's an interesting concept to talk about how children process death. And yeah. like, okay, and the weird, really gross way our culture hypes up unborn children. So like you're telling <laughs> yeah. you're like, hey, hey, you ready you ready to have another kid? You ready you ready for a sibling? Oh, get ready for a sibling. I'm gonna like parent by you to like get involved because you're a girl child who I'm identifying <laughs> as a girl child, you know? Yeah. I'm making you gendered even though you're like five and I'm like making you get involved with like the nursery and stuff and doing all this stuff. That the family treats the girls as a lesser and that the boy is like a big event. So that this five year old feels a sense of loss and confusion when there's not like a new child because she was getting ready to be like parent number three. <laughs> yeah, it is this this story with the the loss of her baby brother is framed the exact same way that it would be if she had miscarried a child. Except he needed to have it be like like a like a suppressed childhood memory for the story that he wanted to because fundamentally he is still trying to write Faye as a five year old, right? Yeah, like he doesn't he cannot he couldn't be like, oh, Faye is fucked up because when she there is some stuff here that feels like it's alluding to sexual violence in a way that I don't think yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if the author intends it, but so the word that she uses like this feels like a sexual violence story. Almost any sort of story, I think, like, you, you, you kind of can't get around the implication. Like, when you have a story where it's, like, someone has, like, this repressed childhood trauma of something that yeah. was, like, really extreme, you almost cannot get around the fact that there are implications of child abuse due to, like, the image that we have in our culture of, like, suppressed memories of child abuse. Yeah, there's, okay, she suppresses her memories, she has major, major sleep disturbances, like, sleeping disorders. She's um, a chronic vomiter. She's a chron- yeah. Yeah, she has, like, a really rigid routine. Um, her sister says shit like, no one did anything to Faye. Like, people don't <laughs> say that, <laughs> like, about parental miscarriages. People say that <laughs> when, like, they don't want to talk about their dad assaulting their sister or whatever. Yeah. Insert the blank there. <laughs> yeah. Insert whatever, like, construct. Like, if it had been her miscarriage, you know? Like, if like if she had accidentally gotten teen pregnant or something. Yeah. And, and this was, like, a thing that she was, like, not willing to share with with Felix. Or, yeah. or, or, or Why like... does he feel so entitled to her stuff? Like, he goes, like, <laughs> they're lying to me. They're lying to me. Women lie when they're abused. How dare she lie? Like, Hey, dude, fuck off. You're not entitled <laughs> to that sort of thing if she doesn't want to tell you. <laughs> to do fan fiction of Kevin's story here, okay, she got teen pregnant, right? Uh, and she yeah. she decided pretty early on, even though, like, she was, she was like, too young to have yeah. this baby. She's, like, 16 in the story. But, like, because she's, like, this very willful person, she, yeah. like, she really wanted to have this baby, but she gets <sighs> pressured into having an abortion. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has this, like, this thing, and, like, everyone else around her is, like, they're like, yeah, of course that was the right decision. And, like, it probably was, but it's still yeah. this thing that is, like, deeply, deeply traumatic for her to the point that, like, she's not willing to acknowledge it. That'd be good. And and, and everyone else sort of treats her like she's being, like, melodramatic. Like, there's a... 
That's a, that's a thing. That is is the kind of language that like this is setting it up for. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's setting up in this like really deeply personal way, and they do. And like well, I, again, like I said, there's like some interesting things to unpack there about how like children process death and like the purification yeah. of like her and stuff. But like that is so underwhelming to the buildup <laughs> that we get, like to like. Reduce her. And it's something that Felix, I don't think, is is prepared to write about. Yeah. Like, that's not something that is even in his thought process. Yeah. He's just like, oh, like, uh, my, my fiancé character in this story is, like, fucked up. She has some kind of deep, dark trauma. Uh, it has to be some kind of loss, but something that happened when she was a kid. Oh, I don't really want to get into any child rape stuff here. Even though I'm, like, using that language and stuff <laughs> for my edgy story. <laughs> but, and, and, and so, like, he's like, okay, well, then... Um, she's just, like, really fucked up over having lost, like, a, like, a baby sibling. Nothing is more important than an unborn boy child. (laughs) I watch a lot of, like, horror that's around, like, religion, right? That's, like, I'm really into that. There's, like, a common, like, trope, I guess I want to use. I don't really like to use the word trope for things. But, like, a common (laughs) thing. Like, they talk about real concepts. Yeah, or just in general. But like it is it is a trope or a or or a theme or a common like story um set piece. Yeah, yeah, a common element, a common story a common story element in these um like demonic pregnancy stories is that like an unborn child, like a aborted fetus or whatever, <laughs> the spirit of that conceptually or like like the ghost of that or like a demon who's coming in to be born in the place of that because there's like some like mm-hmm. movie there's like there's a logic to it I'm saying like yeah like a like a changelingy kind of yeah 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 and that's what the hollowed one feels like it's set up to do before he like diffuses that like it's clearly not in the story it's not what he's going for in the story at any point but he's using something that's really common in these movies so it feels like he has like some sort of wires crossing happening Like, the idea that something is coming from the other side to inhabit this other person is a very common, like, you are going to get demon pregnant. And I guess, like, I mean, let's, let's pack, uh, or, like, unpack, like, demon pregnancy in general. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's a lot of different concepts, I think, that go, go into it. The anxiety around pregnancy in general. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, I think a lot of it comes from, like, men's anxiety around watching their wives get pregnant and not be like sexually available to them anymore or like the fear that like your your wife is going to have a child and that child is going to be the first thing in her life take your attention away yeah yeah and then take her attention away from you like that that is a lot of what the demon baby connotation yeah seems to be in, in in a lot of stories and that's like what's happening in the story here is like he keeps being like, oh, I, I'll keep my promises. Oh, I do want to start a family with her. Like, he brings this up without bringing it up prior, so you know this is a fight they've had. <laughs> right? And that's, like, that's like one of the subtler elements of the story, is that you know Faye, before he, like, drops huge bricks, you know Faye has been like, hey, why haven't you knocked me up yet? And he's been <laughs> like, mm, don't want to. Scary vagina about it. <laughs> The fear he gets here is like, oh, after I was almost attacked, I was on the phone with Faye, like, oh, yeah, I'll keep my promises, let's start a family together. Yeah. 
Because, like, what, what what he's faced with here is, like, the threat that, like, there is some guy out there who's gonna make Faye happier. Oh my god, she should have gone with the fucking hollow one. <laughs> hollow one, if you're out there. If you're listening right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm single. I am available. <laughs> like, okay, there's so much stuff here that's, like... The, t- the stealing of, like, the engagement ring rules. Like, even there's, like, a bunch of stupid stuff attached to it. The idea that this creature has taken the wedding, the engagement ring, and she doesn't, like, notice or care is such a cool concept to me. Yeah. Like, the idea, if this was a different story about her trying to get out of this abusive relationship. Yeah. And this thing is, like, on the, is, like, ready to scoop her up. And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm gonna lose my fiance i've realized how much she's important to me by what by like he's incapable at this time of changing anything about him that's hurting her so she leaves anyway despite all this work that would rule and then you know you can come in with the back half where it's like i am still experiencing fucked up things because like he has not resolved the fundamental problem which is that like in this theoretical other version of the story, it's like, oh, she still loves him, and blah blah blah, and he has to, like, change himself and improve himself in order to get this monster to stop being in his life. Because that monster, in this version of the story, is Felix. We've brought it back around oh, full circle. Oh, yes. Did it. <laughs> One of the things that I have in in my notes is that, like, the story, like, the overall problem that I have with it is just, like, the lack of ambition. It feels like it's taking so many things kind of piecemeal from other better stories. But the thing I think that makes it really successful for the people who were reading it is how in good uh, uh, how how good Felix is at engaging with the audience directly. Like he's he's yeah. very good at sort of like being like buddy buddy with people and like calling people out by name to be like thanks for the suggestion, blah. But like it's it, it's very like it's like a, it's like a streamer. He's really active in the comments. Like, I was, yeah, I was, like, coming yeah. through the comments, and he's really, like, engaging and active. And I think it would be a really yeah. cool practice if people would include comment change chains in their, um, like, wiki, like, recapping yeah. the story. Because those, this adds so much, like, living texture to the story that I think it's, like, important to it. And, like, you're not going to get that in a book, Felix. It's, it's, it's like, the same core appeal as, like, an ARG, right? The idea that the story is going to be in some way reactive to you. Yeah, like, I think that's what people liked about it. So, people with, like, book ambitions and stuff should maybe consider, like, what people enjoy about your writing before, like, going out there. If you're doing something that's, like, relies on the engagement of the audience, and you're not considering that, and, like, how you're formatting your book, it's not going to be the same. Mm. I want to talk about the basement a bit. I think there's really cool, like, set pieces here that's not, like, explored to the fullest. He might have changed plans a little bit partway through and kind of, like, rushed to this ending where Faye, like, confronts the, the beast. Yeah, like... The basement gets built up, and, like, it gets taken away after, like, indirect things. And, like, like the stuff that gets lost in the story, I think, is really interesting as he, like, tries to evolve as it goes. I don't- I can't really, like, articulate what I like about it or, like, what I feel about it. It's just sort of, like, that real- the basement scenes really resonated with me. 
And I really enjoy the incorrect uh, associations of Dreamcatcher stuff because I really enjoy like like breaking with dream stuff. Dream War is one of my like favorite things, right? Like, yeah, this hits that a little bit. Like just like gets that. But like we see so little of the actual dreams because yeah. we are with Felix's perspective. Yeah, if this was about Faye having fucked up dreams, that would be a more yeah. interesting story. If this began as like Faye's dream log. And she, oh. she notes down, she's like, hey, when I woke up, my fiancé was really freaked the fuck out, and now I'm getting freaked out. I wish it was that story instead of the story we're looking at. <laughs> I want it so bad. Why'd you do it this way? Like, <laughs> what I really like in this story is the conference. Like, one Felix thing I do really like, but I do think he should have died in the scene, and then we should have just switched to <laughs> Faye's point of view, is his confrontation with the hollowed one, because that fucks so hard. Which one? Like, the, 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 the cabin like, one? Like, all of them together, in general, <laughs> fuck hard. But well, the one I like out of all of them is when he's like, okay, first off, I guess, like, okay, my number two is when he's like, Felix, I know you, because that's such, that fucks so hard. I am like, then we don't need you anymore. That one, oh, that's, that's my just, favorite that's so hollow good. one line, other than I, I've walked a thousand years to the dark or whatever. Oh my god. Okay, okay. Let's just go through the hollow one for a while. When, he's, <laughs> when he takes the ring out, when he does this douchebag thing because he feels like he owns Faye, and he just sees the guy standing there, like, oh, you fucked up hard. And he's like, Felix, I know you. Like, okay, that's so good. And also, like, <laughs> the we don't need you anymore, with, like, the, the voice like, not, like, just, like, the random voices of that, too, and just, like, like, oh, it's so good, it's so spicy, and, like, <laughs> and, like, the one, the really early one, where he's, like, doing, like, the early, like, drive-by voices, and he's, like, I know where she is, and she kick, and he kicks the door really hard, that one really gets me, like, <laughs> and, like, and, like, the gentle knocking up before that, too, and being, like, really polite about it, like, that's really charming in a creature, in a beast. <laughs> he, like, it's cute. The 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 hollow one is it one of the hot monsters. Yeah, that's, that's the side we're coming down on. Yeah, Felix, you've done one thing with the story <laughs> is that you made a hot monster. Good job. <laughs> Thank you for that. Congratulations. You did it. The the horse thing. I have a I have a, like a a family scary story. It reminds me of so so that's like a personal like. This reminds me of this. And I uh, jot it higher up in my in my things of parts of the story. <laughs> like, I mean, what what do you want to share? Oh, sure. It's a story my great aunt told me, and this was back when they lived in Poland, right? And they're like, um, it's like summertime, and they didn't have AC in their house because it's like, whatever that wasn't invented <laughs> yet, probably. <laughs> and they're like out on the porch, and they're like sitting there, and they're like hearing, like, horse stuff happening, right? Like, just like, oh, one of the neighbors are coming around the bed, I wonder who it is. And it's just, like, a dude. There's, like, no horse or carriage, and it just sounds like horse stuff, right? <laughs> and the guy comes up to, like, the gate, and he's like, hey, can I stay the night in, like, what is this, my great-great-grandpa? However that works. Comes up to, like, the gate, and he's like, no. And the guy's like, oh, well, I know you have a shed that's like, has a bed back there and it's unoccupied, can I stay the night? And it's like, they did. And he's like, no, you, you need to leave. And the guy like, walked away, but he's like walking with like, horse sounds. <laughs> that's spooky. Yeah. Which is so, a like, very like, 
traditional, like, weird little Eastern European folktale kind of vibe to it. Like, right? man, that shit just happens out there, huh? It's got, like, horses are spooky and, like, <laughs> anything happens out there. The horse thing felt like such a particular note, and, like, he later brings up that he's, like, German, right? So I guess I, like, connected those two in my brain. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the part where he says that he's German, but I Oh, it's his like... first language. Like, I, I remember that a lot for some reason. Like, the Germans also have, like, horse stories. So I wonder how much of this is coming from that, like, perspective. He brings up that he's his first language is German for some reason, but I don't remember why. I, I don't remember that at all. Fine that this guy mentioned him being German. <laughs> is Felix German? <laughs> he might have like he might have mentioned something. He mentions I think doing a German accent or like speaking German oh. a little bit to the creature. Yeah, no, that's where he, yeah, that's where he brings it up. I'm pretty sure. The part where the hollow one repeats back that I will fucking kill you in a, a, in so a quiet cool. voice is like that thing. <laughs> that we okay. That he won that confrontation. Like, whatever Felix thinks happened... He wins every confrontation. Yeah, he... <laughs> he's the biggest dick in this entire story, Felix. Like, <laughs> oh, and he thinks he's being so tough guy, like, telling this thing he'll fucking kill him while he's a gun and he's stuff. And, like, all he has to do is say it back to him in a different voice. <laughs> like, oh my god, he won. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe Felix thinks this thing is evil, but um I think it's I don't pretty know. sexy. I don't know about you, Felix. I think, I think this thing is correct. I think this thing is objectively right. I think this thing, yeah. One, well, this thing is right. This thing is to kill <laughs> Felix and take his wife because it treats her better even while being a spooky <laughs> monster guy. <laughs> like yeah. like if you are worse than a, a demon from a void space at being a partner <laughs> to someone, I think <laughs> like the only the only bad thing that we actually see, like, like, okay, if you don't care about Felix, then the only bad thing that that the Hollow One actually does in the story is kill Tiwe and Nathan. That's it. If the possibility that he was impersonating Nathan the entire time, which is kind of like it is, it is sort of uh, more or less told to us that that was not the case because, like, people had seen Nathan around afterwards. Yeah. But, like, when I was rereading it, I was like, oh, is that what happened? Like, was he impersonating Nathan the whole time? But, like... Yeah, it feels kind of like he might have wanted to go in that direction yeah. but changed his mind last minute. Yeah, that, that's what it feels like because he he puts a lot of emphasis on, like, how Nathan sounds different mm -hmm. and, like, how, how, like, tired he is and blah, 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 like... It felt like, oh, like, was was that the twist here? And and Nathan calls and is like, tell me about the child. Yeah. And, like, this thing brings that up again. Like, and I feel, like, the way he brings it up again just feels like cut material from, like, when he decided to not do that twist, but he decided yeah. to use it anyway. <laughs> A lot of the problem with the story structure is each part feels like he's ready to wrap it there. Yeah. That's a really weird way to do a story. <laughs> 
it might have been a matter of like he didn't know how much momentum he was going to get or continue getting and also like he decided like probably four parts in that he was going to turn this into a book so he was probably sort of like changing his mind every now and then about like what's gonna go in the book like what material am i gonna have here in the thread like uh like i want to take a hard stance here hey don't do that (laughs) <laughs> you are posting in a space that's like, this is the medium which you are posting. Like, if your thing can be a book, it does not need to be at no sleep or wherever. <laughs> but if it can be on, but if it is a book, then just have it be a book. Like, these things are different things. Certain things you can have sort of that crossover mm-hmm. with them. Like, I, I have not read, like, the completed book of Pen Pal, but, like, Pen Pal, I, like, because it is written in a more sort of, like, literary and less no-sleepy kind of way, I think it functions as both. It, it's different, too, though, because we, Pen Pal waited for it to, like, yeah. be wrapped, and, yeah. like, what is, it's doing is, like, taking something that was really impactful and meaningful in a lot of people's lives and like wrapping it up and like giving it back to the community yeah what this is instead is like using the community as a way to jump off yeah to make a book without finishing what you're doing and i feel like that's <laughs> really bad form like not just here it's like when anyone does this when everyone's like oh i'm gonna go i've dropped half of season one of anything now it's gonna be a tv show or a movie like <laughs> you didn't finish season one like what are you doing like you haven't finished the thing you started. Yeah, to do. like 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 the whole thing with um, what was it? What was that? Um, that Limetown. Like, no, 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 no. The the like the ARG that that came out um last oh. year that everyone was going crazy about with a girl who is like can see ghosts and stuff. Paranormal paranoids was the thing yeah, that I was thinking okay. of. Like that was posted entirely to be an advertisement because the guy knew that like okay. I'm 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 setting this up to see how much traction I can get so that I can say like oh well I'm doing a movie or TV show or whatever. And like even if the TV show or the movie ends up being like arg involved and like community involved, you still use this platform as like a a gauge of a like a springboard. Yeah, springboard of or like there's a term there's like a on Pet Sims, when people test something out on, like, <laughs> April Fool's or, like, a throwaway holiday like that. Not that April Fool's is whatever. You know what I mean by that. And, like, then they integrate it into the site proper. Yeah, yeah. The market testing. Yes, bar. Yes. You are using a community of creators, of artists, of people who enjoy horror, interactive art, media, stuff, whatever, words, to market test without their consent that's really nasty to me (laughs) well i mean because they're also like they're also trying to set up a consumer base that is going to boost their sales and attention it's 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 the same kind of thing in uh that you see in like fandom spaces where it's like people will go into uh, like media that they don't actually care about to like produce fan fiction yeah. or, or, or the content for this to thing create a user base because they know that they are going to be able to launch their fucking self-published book careers by getting enough attention for writing fan fiction for popular or like drawing you know people drawing yeah, yeah, fan yeah. art for things to to boost their portfolios that they're not involved in yeah yeah 
that they don't really care about. I wish, like, the people who do these sort of things and act sort of, like, really indignant when people, like, engage with them in the way the community normally engages with art. And then, in that, they change the way the community feels about things because yeah. their, like, bottom line is being threatened. Like, I think creepypasta readers are good for the health of the community. I think they could be better. I think we should hold them to a higher standard. I think <laughs> there should be, like, acceptable practices and unacceptable practices. It's all that sort of thing. Yeah. But, like, acting like you are above that while actively using the space to, like... To, like, self-promote and, like, make money. And then people are, like, congratulating you on doing this as you are making the very place you are in matter less, have less value in the minds of the community here because you are considering, like, your physical book more important. Like, most people who engage with no sleep material, they get it through a reader or through the no sleep podcast and like no sleep podcast is like they 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 do give you money if you are selected like like if they select your story which is like cool and i think more people like more readers should do that should be willing to do that if they have the resources to be able to and like if you can't do that there's like people who want their stories to be read and don't like don't necessarily need every random joe on yeah. youtube to give them some <laughs> petty cash yeah like 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 some people are okay with their stories being read without being paid for it you know like like some people just want their art to be out there and to have more people engaging with it and that is also like a valid yeah strategy and 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 outlook as a writer as much as saying like believe that and like you know you are entitled to be paid for your work that that is true but if you are willing to do something as a hobbyist you are probably not going to make money on that thing and that's okay not everything in an art like every art space has to be about making money being a hobbyist is good do you see this like among like RPG maker horror artists or like horror artists of like video games in general of like mm-hmm. non-American especially one like American YouTuber USA America YouTubers like jump on a trend and like be like oh spooky play this random game that's not <laughs> in English I found right and they say to like hey don't do that but not necessarily because you're like like even though there's a similar sentiment of like you're making money off my content. Like, some people think that I think that's douchey no matter what. But, like, the sentiment is more like the community that gets built around it is so not the community I want, so please don't cover my game. I feel like that's a valid thing to do. Yeah, that's another kind of valid way to approach it of, like, I, I, I want the people who are engaging with my art to be respectful of it and like this audience and this way that you're covering the topic does not seem respectful i would like you to not talk about my material that's also fine yeah and like that's really the case among creepypasta writers though you know (laughs) yeah that comes down to more ego the the cabin story like it did get very popular 
Like, but, I don't know. Like, to take that and act like that's a negative But he also so... did do a Kickstarter. Like, he did very much do a Kickstarter that succeeded, and he was able to self-publish yeah. his book and make money from it. Like, that was because of people, like, listening to the story online. Because I read it on the... the, the who fucking goes to Reddit? That was, like, the quarter of a million. I said, I don't know, it's a real number or not. <laughs> of, like, people who listened to it on, like, various YouTube channels. I remember when I when I listened to to like Mr. Creepypasta's version of this, which is like yeah, I've like you know I've I've, I've said before mm-hmm. like I have my my own problems Beep. with the way that he edits and and narrates things sometimes, but like he is a solid person to listen to. He has a pleasant voice, but like he advertised the book so much. Yeah, he was like pushing that thing. Um, one thing I like about that reading is the way he says "stepping on twigs." It just stuck in my head. It's like it's just like the way he says it is so, like stepping on twigs. Like I'm not sure I can even. It's just this gentle, far away way he says it. That's not like a part of the story at all. <laughs> yeah, like hey, we've 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 talked about this before, but like doing a reading of a story is a kind of art form. Yeah. Like it's an audio book. Like. Doing voice acting work, doing voice work in general, is difficult and complicated. And, and yeah, and it is an art form, especially if someone is, like, good at it and, and, and like, practices it. I think that's the thing, too. Like, if you're making art in this online space, life is different for you than if you're making a book. Like, if you are making a book, I can take that book and read that book and you can't do anything about it, okay, guy? <laughs> like, yeah, you can issue a takedown, but, like, who the fuck does that? <laughs> it's just, like, it's such, like, I can't even wrap my mind around the kind of mindset that puts you in that kind of mood to care about that kind of thing. It's also a matter of accessibility, right? Like, that's what, yeah, that's what I some mean. Some people, like, it's, 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 it's hard to sit down and read like, like, especially if, if you have, like, like dyslexia, or, yeah. like, ADD, or something like that. It, it's so much easier for a lot of people to, like, listen to something like an audiobook or a pasta being read out loud. That is good. It's good to have, yeah, it's good, it's good that these readers it's exist. It's good to bring more people into your community. Yeah, also, yeah, injects, fr- like, this is a way to get, to broaden the community. I feel I, I can sympathize with people seeing these YouTubers being really popular, though, and being like, oh, they are profiting off my work and I'm going to, like, be <laughs> obscure about it. But, like, that's your work. Like, even if someone's like, oh, I found this online. Like, it doesn't matter because you did that. No one is taking that away from you. They cannot take that away from you. That exists. Okay? Yeah. Like, even, even if someone, like, traces artwork, they can't take away the artwork that you've already done because you've done it. Unless it's, like, a mega corp scraping you and like then you can do something about it in a way that wouldn't like damage the community but like no one is taking things from you that's the problem is like when when someone who has more power than you significantly like a corporation yeah takes something from you and exploits it because they have the power structure to be able to to a- exploit your work on a mass scale. Yeah. Or, like, e- even though I'm sure, like, Mr. Creepypasta has, like, editors and people on yeah. staff that he has, like, working with him, helping him do stuff, like, he does not own, like, a multi-million dollar company. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, fighting over, like... We're all fighting over scraps here, like... Yes, yeah, we're fighting over scraps on the ground, like, some feral pigeons. And, like, 
it do- doesn't do anything for like the community to do that. I don't think it like the community you built around yourself will be a bunch of people who think that way, you know? And it's really like stunting, I think. Oh hey, you know what's really funny about this story in twenty twenty two? Uh, the the creature's official name we've been calling it the hollow one but its official name is the imposter so oh. for <laughs> obvious reasons we've not been calling it that oh my god that was like subconscious we were like we can't say that don't say it don't <laughs> think it <laughs> a note that i have is um the the caleb arc is a metaphor for how people will use a baby to save their troubled relationship i think i was just making jokes at that point <laughs> like that's pretty but, like, good that's pretty solid <laughs> <laughs> but it is like Faye very much wants a baby and she has this this fixation on children because of this like feeling of child loss early on and it's like she's clearly not happy in this relationship no. with Felix you know like like the way that she's written they're not good for each other they're not like happy together but they want like also like he's the 20 okay okay there's like he is miserly in this story right we've said that before (laughs) he is a 28 year old history teacher i guess who's doing well i mean he he might be one of those um like you know like a like a grad student professor yeah okay he's that because he's also getting another an advanced degree he's where am i going with this (laughs) so like about him being miserly oh yeah he has noted expendable cash to the extent they go to the hospital. They, they buy a different house. Yeah, they buy a different house. They go to the hospital without thinking about it. But he doesn't want to, like, fly down for a funeral. He doesn't want to clean the carpet. He, like, complains about a meal being, like, wasted. And all those things are around Faye. Like, he, gets, yeah. he spends fat cash on himself. Like, nothing. But when it comes <laughs> to, like, Faye and, like, her specific stuff, oh, oh wallet's empty. He flies up by himself to, to Colorado to go back up to the stupid cabin in Pike's Peak. To have, like, a dick-off. Yeah. <laughs> but, and yet, like, you know, too, too much money to, to fly back up for Tiway's funeral. He jeopardizes them to such a great extent to get this in, this engagement ring back instead of just buying a new fucking ring. He, like, <laughs> la- he like later frames it like it's a family heirloom or something. Like, who gives a fuck? He mentions it being a family heirloom offhand once, like one time. Yeah, but he does not actually describe like what makes it like. Like, is it your mom's ring? Yeah, what are you who, about? yeah. And Faye cares so little about it that she does not notice it's missing. Like, she's like <laughs> mo- freak out her mind. So, like, the degree to which he is so miserly and so possessive and so controlling around Faye is that he does this thing. I'm just, like really just stuck on it. <laughs> Just a shitty person, nasty guy, bad, bad boyfriend. <laughs> Halloween should have killed him. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> when the imposter is sus, etc. If this was a story, I should cut that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> if um, this story was like about Felix trying to kill his wife, like if it was like <laughs> escalating violence. And the monster steps in at the like like we don't get the idea that's escalating violence. Just like it's the same, it's the same. Everything happens same, right? These are the things he's talking about. That, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Is that like it feels like he just repeats the same shit over, over and over yeah. again with like mild escalations for a really long time. Yeah, and it's like it's like you start skimming at a certain point if you're reading it with your yeah, eyes. Yeah, just like, like whatever. 
Like, okay, okay. She's just so, like, oh, Faye had another scary dream. My evil fucked up wife. So, okay, okay, we get all that right, right, right? And then, like, Faye writes, and she's like, but, like, separately, like, um, I don't know how the format would be, but, like, let me take you on this journey. She, she, she has a separate account, and she is posting yeah. a oh. story that is, like, oh my linked God. up to this yeah, like, my husband is beating me and stuff, and then, like, at the very end, when it's, like, extreme, or it doesn't even have to be physical, it would just be, like, all mental and, like, aggressive, like, he is, but, like, at the very end, it, like, it looks like he's going to kill her, like, he's escalated, like, beyond, and the monster comes and just kills him. <laughs> and, like, his Reddit account goes silent, but hers keeps posting, like, after the yeah. aftermath. Yeah, and she and she gives the final sort of explanation. Like, like she starts giving like bits and pieces of her side of the story, so it becomes kind of a conflict of like, okay, who here is unreliable? Like, yeah, who oh here is God. like that would that would potentially create some like actual intrigue because there is no intrigue in this story through the entire fucking thing. It is flat. The problem with it is that this is a concept piece. This is, these are concept <laughs> points and not a fully realized story. Yeah. Because it wants to have, like, a traditional story structure, but it just kind of, like, stuff just sort of happens, and then they win. He introduces a concept, and then that concept, this is a problem I have with, like, House of Leaves, too. He introduces (laughs) a concept, and the concept is immediately used in the next, like, paragraph. Like, that's not how you do that, okay? (laughs) People who don't understand foreshadowing, or, like, like, set up and payoff. The problem with people who, like, really encourage pantsing, you know, like, in writing, like, (laughs) you gotta know what you're doing, like, that's fine in, like, the rough draft, but you gotta go back and, like, clean stuff up afterwards. I am, like, a strict planner, usually, mm-hmm. like, I, like to the extreme, honestly, and, and I had sort of an experiment with, like, like, a, like a story that I've been working on for a little while, where... I was 90% pantsing for the whole thing. And, like, it's a it's an interesting experiment, and it's, like, but it is hard to do it in a way where it's, like, successful. You you have to be thinking, you have to constantly be going back and yeah. rereading your earlier material so you know, like, okay, what have I set up? What can I pull forward? Like, especially if you're kind of stuck on a, on a scene. Uh-huh. Like, like, okay, like, what, what can I go back to to draw from like what threads have I potentially left hanging that I can pull forward in order to make the rest of the story feel coherent because like I don't know what I'm doing I'm making it up and yeah and, and, and it feels like that that is not a skill that pantsers teach to young pantsers who want to get into that style of writing no right right because you because you're someone who plans like thoroughly you have that set skill to go back and do such a thing like if you're just pantsing raw you don't have the established skill to understand structure or formatting. It's like trying to do something without understanding what you're doing ahead of time. And, like, you'll eventually get somewhere. It's, like, it's it, it's good to be able to do both, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to develop those skills. And similar with, like, drawing, right? That might be, like, like writing sometimes feels, like, hard to discuss with people because it feels, like, like, really personal. And abstract a lot of the time, too. Yeah. But, like, it's like, if you want a building to be shaped a certain way, you have to build the foundation a certain way. Like, you can't just start building building the outside of the building, because the building will fall. And, like, that's the same thing with, like, writing or any art at all. Like, basics. They're, they go to the uh, Denver International Airport... And that's nothing to do with the story, but I think the story behind <laughs> it is really cool. 
Oh, oh, of, of Denver. That's the one with the horse penis, right? Yeah, the giant horse penis <laughs> that killed the artist. It fell on the artist and killed him dead. More interesting story than Kevin. <laughs> wrap it up there for tonight. What do you think of Calvin's story? Leave a comment, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. If you like the show, go ahead and leave a like or a review. Share it with your friends. We're a small, independent podcast. We don't advertise, so we need word of mouth to grow. As always, links to the story and our social media will be in the description. On our next episode, we will be reading Dylan Sindelar's The Showers. This has been the Creepypasta Book Club. Thank you, and good night. Good night.